This podcast is brought to you by Men's Tea Clinic. Men's Tea Clinic is the team I trust with my total wellness optimization, and so should you. Five DFW locations with North Frisco, El Dorado Parkway at Dallas North Tollway now open. Call 972-GO-MEN'S-TEA or visit mensteaclinic.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Yes, indeed. It is the KNC Masterpiece live from Buffalo Wild Wings in Burleson. I can't hear you in my ears, so I hope you are being heard over the air Uh-oh. on 105.3 The Fan. Uh, well, we're, we're going to have to figure that one out as we go. I'm so, Reginald Latitula. Mike Bassick here along with me. Um, like I said, Buffalo Wild Wings, Burleson. Uh, Mike can't hear me. I don't know if I'm being heard o- over air. Well, let me – I will say something here because can you hear yourself in your ears, I Reggie? can hear myself perfectly Okay, right so now. I'm just wondering if – we can be heard over the airwaves. Text in 877-881-1053. That's truckwreck.com. Text line. Let me know if you can hear me on this Friday. <laughs> it's a shout-out Friday. Rodrigo has let me know that I can indeed be heard. Okay, good. Okay, fantastic. Am I being heard? Um, yeah. Now let's find okay. out, is Mike being heard? Um, as we, we'll work, we're working this out, man. It's, it's the last KNC Masterpiece broadcast, or as Mike's shirt currently says, Mike and Casey in the Masterpiece. It's the final broadcast of the year, so we're trying to have a little fun, but it is a shout-out Friday. I'm trying to handle my duties as fill-in Kevin okay. as much as possible. Um, so text in 877-881-1053. We're going to give you those shout-outs like we can, and look at the text line coming in strong. We appreciate y'all. Uh, good, also, good, we good. really appreciate our friends Steven, Gary, out here at Buffalo Wild Wings, the first ones to show up to hang out with. We're, we're up to five people already at 10 a.m. I have not introduced myself to all these folks, so I'll need to do that. But uh, we, like I said, shout-out Friday. Text in your shout-outs. I'll try and keep up with those. Uh, Jerry Jones will join us at 1030. Uh, normal Friday, getting yeah. ready for uh, – Cowboys Lions tomorrow evening, Monday night football on a Saturday on ESPN. So all of that will be fun. However, uh, and ABC if you still get that channel. That's right. If that's I don't anymore. ABC has said, and DirecTV have told me I will never get ABC again. They did not come to a resolution. So ABC is over in my life, I guess. There you go. ABC is so 2023. We're in 2024 already. Um, But right now, as we're finishing out 2023, the Mavericks, sans Lucas, sans Kyrie, sans Le- pretty much everybody, went to Minnesota, and it seemed like that was going to be a loss. Right. It was in fe- indeed an actual loss. However, they played it pretty tight, as evidenced by uh, Cut A here, Rodrigo. Minnesota was at 14 of 21 before that miss by Edwards. Here's Hardaway, who's oh. on one himself tonight. It's 27 for Hemi Hardaway, and the Mavs are back to within four. Now, Mike, did you good did you, Hardaway's back? It, he but was playing. We know, very right? Well. He's the Joey Gallo of basketball. Interesting. I, I hadn't really considered, but he does kind of ride that roller coaster. It's hot. It's cold. But this is a pretty limited Maverick squad in this game. Your, your starters: Grant Williams, Derek Jones Jr., Derek Lively, Dante Exum, Jaden Hardy, and Tim Hardaway Jr. gives you thirty-two. 
in yeah. this game. Gives you an opportunity against one of the better teams in this league in the Minnesota Timberwolves. I was very thoroughly impressed by this. I think effort. those guys fought hard. Uh, they gave everything they have. Obviously, uh, Derek Lively uh, struggled. But look, I make fun of him all the time. But that was one of Dwight Powell's greatest games in his life. I mean, yeah. let's be honest, uh, you know, with with what he was able to accomplish, uh, 12 points and 14 rebounds, six assists. That is something that you see once in a blue moon uh, from Dwight Powell, but I'll give him credit. He had a, a good game last night. You know, they fought and clawed. Uh, at the same time, I didn't really watch the game. Uh, it was kind of a little bit of a protest mm. for the NBA. Look, I'm going to say this. If I was running the Dallas Mavericks, if I was, uh, you know, a coach or a trainer of the Dallas Mavericks, I would do the same thing. I would sit out Luka eight to ten games a year to make sure that he is as healthy as possible for what I'm hoping an April and May run. At the same time, I hate it as a fan. Sure. I, I don't like the NBA saying, hey, our best players, when they are healthy, and look, you're going to have, uh, you know, muscle situations and bruises and everything but when you know i was watching basketball as a kid magic larry michael dominique they pretty much played all 82 games it wasn't like hey you know let's just sit them out this is the third night third game in four nights i totally get why the nba does it i would do it if i was a head coach or a general manager at the same time i did not want to waste my time and i hate saying it that way but I felt like I could spend my time in another way with my family if Kyrie, who's not playing because of real injury, Luca, who's not playing because of just he's been used so much and worked so hard. I totally get why I set out, but I just felt like uh, I am going to spend time with my family rather than watch kind of the, the C team of the Dallas Mavericks compete. And they competed great. Nothing against those guys. They competed great, like you said, Reggie. It's just one of those things where I've decided sure. I'm not going to put my time into that product. And it's a time of year where there's, there's so many things happening. we got all these bowl games. As you mentioned, there's this game. Um, it, it's one where you have to start uh, choosing, your, choosing your time yeah. a little bit wisely. I mean, we also had Thursday Night Football, which was an interesting one. Um, but it, I watched a big time 34 to 33 basketball game between Bishop Lynch and oh, Timber right. Creek ninth grade. That was the refs were pathetic. Both teams played bad. Went In fact, they? I'll tell you what, if you are listening and you're a Tolo, I love you. But if you refed Timber Creek versus Bishop Lynch, ninth grade basketball at Colleyville Heritage, there's a reason that you're refing ninth grade and that you will never in your life be considered to ref a varsity basketball game. Oh, wow. You should probably – well, so you get points, right? You start off in ninth grade like Reggie. If me and you wanted to become a high school referee, that'd be a wild we would referee. start off and they would assign us to ninth grade basketball games. And you have to do so many games and you're getting somewhat evaluated. And if you're really good, they will quickly move you to JV and varsity basketball games. If you're not good, they're going to make you keep refing ninth grade basketball games until they feel like you've done it enough slash that you have become uh, good enough to ref at a higher level. These two guys should never anytime soon ref a varsity high school basketball game. That being said, also both teams played like crud. For 32 minutes, for a score to be 34 to 33, 
it was not good basketball. So after watching not good basketball, I also didn't want to watch possibly not good basketball in the NBA. So we got some uh, T-work in and front toss with my son Jake to get him ready for also his baseball season coming go. up. Being a dad, love to see it. Now, just in general, because I know you did not pay a ton of attention to this game. How much stock do you put in a game like this where, I mean, Jaden Hardy has been a player that you've been wanting to see things from. He goes 7 to 18, gives yeah. you 17 points. Um, now, he wasn't, he didn't give you any assists, really. But right. how much do you, you know, some of those guys, the guys that like Josh Green, who puts in not that many minutes, like how much do you take from a game like this where they are playing top competition, but it's some guys that you still have questions about? This is where last year, this is where they shined. Kind of right before the Kyrie Irving trade. If you remember Hardy and Green, you're bringing up those two guys. Luca was dealing with an injury. I can't remember what he was dealing with, but they had to play that game in Utah, and it was Hardy and Green both getting about 30 points apiece, and they, they got on a nice streak, right? And then you traded for Kyrie Irving, and Josh Green disappeared from the face of the NBA at that point. And really, he has not found his way on the Kyrie Irving, Luka Doncic uh, team. And Hardy really took off last year as a rookie at that point. I really like Hardy. I don't know if his future is in Dallas. And what I mean by mm. that is the Mavericks need help defensively and they need size. He provides neither one of those at the position that they really need help with. But I do think games like this, Reggie, when Hardy shows up and shows that he can play in this league and can contribute – there's other teams that do need scoring guards. The Mavericks just don't. Sure. They, they have two of the best scoring guards in the NBA. So I do like when Hardy has a game like this, when Hardaway has a game like this, because I do think other teams and scouts go, hey, I think we can use that on our team more than Dallas needs that. They need a – I know we bring up this name a thousand times. They need a Clint Capella. We don't need – right now a Clint Capella and I'm not saying that's a perfect trade sure. but that's that's the way I look at it I think that you need all of these guys playing as well as possible to help out their trade value uh, real quick before we move this along uh, Derek Lively another tough go of it obviously this is a particular game against the Timberwolves where they have a lot of big size and a lot of a uh, veteran size on this team give you any pause or are you just at a place where you're like I believe in Derek Lively and just keep giving him those minutes I figure these things out. I believe in him he's 19 years old I'm honest I don't know his birthday let's just say he turns 20 at some point this year this is why you need a veteran good big man with him because in the playoffs it's tough to rely on 19 years old 19 year old guys I remember Kobe playing Kobe's one of the greatest players in basketball history I can't I don't think Cleveland made the playoffs I'm 99% sure they didn't make the playoffs LeBron's rookie year not 100% sure of that, but Kobe struggled in the playoffs at 19 years old, uh, you know, 20 years old. I'm not saying that Derek Lively is going to struggle if you make the playoffs, but he's probably going to be inconsistent, right? Mm. There could be a game where he gives you 10 points and 12 rebounds. You're like, that was unbelievable. Then there'll be a game where he plays like last night, 15 minutes and gets five fouls and can't really contribute uh, in the playoff game. And so that's why right now, Depth is a major concern with me. I love what Derek Lively has done. It's been unbelievable. He's going to have bad games. He's 19 years old playing in a man's league. But he's shown enough to me that this is going to be, this is going to sound, he's going to be the greatest center in Dallas Mavericks history. Now, it's a horrible history of centers in, in Dallas Mavericks history. Tyson Chandler might be the greatest one, and he played one, two years 2011 and if I have my year right 2015 that's his lifetime with the Dallas Mavericks and he might be considered the greatest Mavs center of all time.
It's the KNC Masterpiece here on 105.3 The Fan, live from Buffalo Wild Wings in Burleson. Shout out to Darren and Salina, uh, as it is a shout out Friday. Uh, I believe there was a shout out to a uh, Jack Blaine. Love uh, his dad, Freddie Mac. Keep sending those shout outs in. I'll try and get those in. Um, I'm not Kevin, but I'm going to do my best, uh, my best uh, effort to try and, you know, replicate that. But coming up next, uh, inspired by the quarterback in Carolina, Bryce Young, how early is too early to give up? on a quarterback. We'll discuss it next on the fan. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Masterpiece here on 105 through the fan broadcasting live from Buffalo Wild Wings in Burleson right off of 35W. Uh, myself, Reginald Atula, Mike Bassick here with you and you, the Tolo. Thanks for hanging out with us. We got Jerry Jones coming up in about 15 minutes here on the fan. But um, that was the, some audio of Bryce Young, quarterback, rookie quarterback of the Carolina Panthers. And this comes from the mind of Mike Bassick. Yeah. Uh, we were talking at some point before one of those shows, and you asked this question. I'll allow you to ask it again. Yeah. Well, when do you give up on a quarterback, uh, a young quarterback you've drafted? Obviously, we saw, you know, what, 2018-19, we saw Arizona give up on Josh Rosen, the, I think, 11th overall pick, immediately and yeah. draft Kyler Murray number one overall. And really, this specific question goes to Bryce Young in Carolina, uh, 5'10", 190 pounds, that's a big risk. Probably the smallest quarterback in the history of the NFL since, like, let's say 1980, because, I don't know, Fran Tarkenton supposedly, like, I don't know much about him, but supposedly he was a really little guy, is this was a big risk to take a guy this little. 
Sure. And I, I will say that he's really lucky in this. They traded up for him and traded this year's number one pick to Chicago to go up and get Bryce Young. So he's not in jeopardy of losing his job to a draft pick this year. But I just look at Bryce Young and I go, watching his highlights, looking at his stats, watching him play against the Dallas Cowboys, I don't think he's going to be an NFL quarterback. I think he's too little. Now, he gets another year because of the, the trading for him. But I, I just I look at guy a guy like Bryce Young, and Arizona made the right call. Josh Rosen was not an NFL quarterback. He proved that throughout his career. He cannot play in the league. So I wonder to you, Reggie, you know, when do you look at a quarterback? How many games do you give them until you go, I know he can't play? Yeah, it's really tough. And uh, as people are mentioning, Kyler Murray uh, also being one of those smaller quarterbacks. I don't even He's know. Not if, as small as this dude. I, I'm, I don't think so either. But I, I, don't, I don't know that I – I don't know that it's the size that gets me with uh, Kyler Murray. Gosh, that's going to come up on one of these Fridays, ain't it? <laughs> um, but, no, it, I, or sorry, with Bryce Young, rather. Right. Um, it's, it's the play, and the tough part about it is when you realize you're wrong, you do not want to be in a place where you continue to burn time and uh, effort and assets in being wrong. So, like, you have to acknowledge that. But at the same time, there's something to be said, and Broadus is the one who will, you know, bring this up very much, being a scout, being in that front office evaluation role. Sometimes your job becomes tied to a certain quarterback. Yeah. And if you change quarterbacks too quickly, too often, right. now this ends up looking, diff looking bad on you because you had to have made the evaluation on seeing some things and to immediately be like, oh, wow, I, what I saw was wrong yeah. is an indictment of and, yourself. And you have to be careful. Troy Aikman, look, I was a kid, but Troy Aikman was pathetic in 1989. Uh, Josh Allen was pathetic in 2018. So you do have to watch out and go, I think he's bad after one year. And what I'm saying for Bryce Young or Zach Wilson is you give him at least some of the second year. When sure. you draft a guy that high, number one, number two overall, you have to give the guy a little bit of his second year to be like, hey, that first year was pathetic. Let's see how he does after an off season. So I don't want to give up on a guy. I even thought it was a little bit crazy at the time to give up on Josh Rosen yeah. after half of a season pretty much as a starting quarterback. But Arizona was right. I'm not saying Kyler Murray has been perfect for them, but they were right after you saw Josh Rosen's career play out. I think you can also make yourself right in that regard. I think quarterback, especially when you're young, circumstances and situation matters a lot. And so that's another reason why I don't think you can give, him, give up in one year. You look around and you're like, oh, there's not things yeah. here for him to be able to succeed. Now, he's not giving you the sparks that I hope for, yeah. but see if you can give him a little bit better of a circumstance, change some of the other variables. And if you can isolate that, oh, it is him, yeah. then I think you can move on. So, yeah, I'm with you. Two years, two and some is when I think you start going, okay, this is not tenable. Yeah, I would say two years. When you draft a guy in the first round and you start playing him immediately – I would say I need to see how he comes back his second year and play some of his second year. But let's say 10 games into his second year, even though I might not rip him out of the starting lineup, I now know he can't play. I know Zach Wilson can't play in this league. I'm not saying I know Bryce Young can't play in this league, but to me it looks like it. But he does easily get that second year because if – let me ask you this. If this was a non-trade situation – and the Carolina Panthers had the number one overall pick, do you trade out of the number one pick and keep building around Bryce Young, or would you take Caleb Williams and move on? Because I would take Caleb Williams and move on and try to trade Bryce Young for 
uh, a few later, you know, second and third round picks. I get the allure of that, but I would actually probably trade back and okay. surround him with things. Um, the tough part about that is you do that for Caleb Williams, and now Caleb Williams is in the situation, the same situation that Bryce Young was in. And maybe he, Caleb Williams is better. And obviously, we're using particular Caleb Williams. Let me kind of take this into right. a more neutral situation so it's not about Caleb Williams himself. Okay. You take the, the next first number one overall pick quarterback, right. and even how, however good they are, how far do you think you'd be able to carry a team as a rookie for a number one overall pick if you have not been giving the things yeah. around you. I, I'm with you. And I guess, and this is going to be specific with Bryce Young. If Bryce Young doesn't work out next year, if he doesn't show major improvement and the ability to be a starting quarterback that you want to build your franchise around, I understand a lot of people over the last five or six years saying, see, size doesn't matter. Look at Drew Brees. Look at Russell Wilson. And this was Russell Wilson in Seattle. People also reminded us of Doug Flutie. Yeah, and he didn't. I mean, he was okay. Yeah. Like, he had moments. He definitely had moments in Buffalo and, and, and was a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. But if Bryce Young doesn't work out, I do think it is the death of the under-six-foot quarterback. I'm not saying they'll never be taken, but they will never be taken, let's say, with a top 20 overall pick. Maybe they could sneak into the end of the first round. I, I won't totally give up, but, I mean, I would start making – and look, maybe this is because I was drafted by the Cleveland Indians in 1996. They wouldn't take a, a pitcher under six feet tall. It didn't matter what you could do. If you weren't six feet tall, you were off of their board. And I would have the designation, if I was running an organization, if Bryce Young shows that he can't play in 2024, I would say, hey, guys, in our organization, if they don't measure at six feet tall, they're off our board. We do not take them at quarterback. It is too difficult of a position to play at under six feet tall. I think that's interesting. I don't know that I'd go that far because, I mean, we've seen players that know how to make this work at that size. I mean, even Russell Wilson that you're trying to utilize as maybe a negative, there was a lot of positive uh, ability within there. Um, and he's still uh, probably an average quarterback as of right now. Right. It's just the I contract agree. that frames it in a bad way. I wouldn't go that far as to do it, especially because there are some years you look at the college football landscape, you look at the best quarterbacks, and if you grade them out, that's going to be the one. And ultimately, you know how the economy of this thing goes. You look up, you start, you know, trying to, you know, get that quarterback because you need one. You're going to take the best one available. And sometimes that dude's six foot or under. It's the KNC Masterpiece here on 105.3 The Fan. Reginald Atatula, Mike Bassick live from Buffalo Wild Wings in Burleson. Coming up next, we talk to the owner and general manager of the, your Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones. KNC Masterpiece right here on 105.3 The Fan. Reginald Datatula, Mike Bassett coming to you live from Buffalo Wild Wings in Burleson. Make some noise out here. <laughs> Got a good contingent of folks out here hanging out with us. Uh, uh, but right now, it's time to go to and talk to the owner and general manager of the Cowboys. Uh, brought to you by Ford, built for Texas, built for you. His name is Jerry Jones. Jerry, how are you doing this afternoon? Or hey, Reggie, this? Mike, and... Uh, Great to be on, and I uh, understand we've got a little crowd in there for you, and, uh, but uh, excited to 
uh, be on here this, uh, I guess, last day of the next to the last day of the year and um, getting ready for the Cotton Bowl, getting ready for uh, all of that for the remainder of the day here. You, you bring up the Cotton Bowl, and obviously this time of bowl season, there's a whole bunch of these, Alan. How, how many of these do you get to get into? Uh, obviously, Cowboy season is full on and raging. How much of the college football portion of this are you able to pay attention to? Well, first of all, the Cotton Bowl is dear to me. I got to play in the Cotton Bowl, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, we played the last game that I ever played. Uh, I weighed about 180 pounds as a, a pulling offensive guard, but still, <laughs> uh, I have great memories, and we won that game, and were the only undefeated team in the country, and that really inspired me to want to be a have a life in football and have a life in sports, and uh, was something that uh, uh, never left me. So uh, I've got a good feeling about the Cotton Bowl. Well, Jerry, I, I know a lot of times now, if you're not playing, and I call it the Final Four, obviously the two games on New Year's Day to make it to the national championship, we see a, a, quite a few of these high draft pick prospects not playing in these bowl games. What would be your thought or recommendation to those young men? Well, I uh, uh, would say that uh, it's another look at them against, uh, obviously, uh, a different competition than they had during their regular careers. Uh, it's a high-profile, highly competitive game, and uh, one that brings with it a a certain presence, a national presence, uh, that kind of interest gives you a lot of read on a player. And uh, I think it does give you a read on a player. Uh, you know, you look so much at what's inside people, uh, not just how fast they run the 40, or you uh, certainly can look at their careers on tape uh, or be familiar with them having scouted them. But I think it tells you a lot about somebody to play in these games and competitively compete in these games. Uh, I understand uh, the uh, idea that the risk-reward relative to getting injured, uh, but it's impressive to me to see a player go out there and compete. Uh, let me say this. Uh, Dak Prescott, uh, uh, the one thing about him was the fact that uh, he will compete. He would when he was coming out of college. And he didn't back away from anything, whether it's a senior bowl or what. So uh, uh, I think you get a read for what's inside sometimes on these guys playing or not playing. Now, Jerry, you mentioned that we have a nice crowd here at Buffalo Wild Wings where we're hanging out, but it's not going to be anywhere near AT&T Stadium tomorrow evening. Obviously, big game, but also uh, Jimmy Johnson going into the ring of honor. I mean, there's a lot of things that I'd love to talk about here, but what's your fondest memory of working with Jimmy? Oh, I think uh, – as you know, we go all the way back to uh, college uh, when we were initially playing as sophomores and juniors. And when we get together, uh, we'll often refer back to uh, a couple of things that happened. We've got a little smile. We've got some things we smile about that went on when we were in college, as anybody would. Uh, but uh, uh, that's where I got to uh, uh, know him. And, of course, uh, when he... Uh, came to Dallas with me when I bought the team and, and uh, he joined me here. Uh, I said at that time that Jimmy was worth five Heisman trophies. Now, I've got hyperbole and I've got those type of ways I express myself, but I had that kind of, 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 of really uh, appreciation for his skill level and uh, 
had uh, really hoped that that would transcend and did into the pro level. Uh, but we both got to be a part of something that uh, changed our lives. Uh, we had gotten to be a part of something in our collegiate career that changed our lives. And I'm not exaggerating. And so uh, uh, I, somebody I knew, somebody that uh, I felt like I could really get in and work with, and uh, uh, we both were getting in something that we hadn't had experience in. Neither one of us had been in pro football. And uh, so it was a new new thing, and obviously things didn't go that uh, to uh, the way we had it planned those first few years. Uh, but those are the kinds of things that bond you. Those are the kinds of things that give you resolve and ultimately turned out for an experience that uh, uh, just is an experience of a lifetime. So uh, uh, I have no, nothing but appreciation for him. You know, a lot of people think that we're contentious. Uh, the facts are that I don't think we've ever had a contentious meeting in our life, really. I don't think we ever have. And uh, those weren't the kind of – that wasn't the relationship at all. So, Jerry, you obviously know the coach on the other side for the Lions, Dan Campbell, former Dallas Cowboy. They're having a great year. Uh, you can take this in different uh, places. But did you know that Dan Campbell was going to be a future head coach in the NFL when he was a tight end for the Cowboys? Well, I don't know that I uh, would uh, think that uh, uh, head coach – I will say – uh, I mean, I, I don't know that I wouldn't think head coach either because he has very similar aura and very similar way that he approaches the game as Jason Witten. And, of course, when I think of Jason Witten, I see someone that could potentially be a great head coach at any level. And, of course, he is at the high school level right now. But uh, uh, those guys, uh, uh, they they – uh, their body language speaks to uh, football, and uh, they don't know the easy way. There's an old adage in football. Uh, it's called running around the block, and the idea is that if somebody's trying to block you, uh, don't run around it because that means that's where the ball carrier will go if you run around. You take the path of resistance, the path of the most resistance, not the least resistance. That's Dan Campbell. Uh, to me, I hate to uh, usually get in trouble comparing people, but Jason Whitten never one time, uh, and Dan didn't either, take the path of least resistance. Uh, that's the most important quality in my mind mentally that uh, a football coach or a football player can have. Now, Jerry, earlier this morning on these, on these airwaves, Coach Mike McCarthy said that one of the things that he's learned about himself this year was, you know, as a play caller, just, you know, maybe keep it simple more often. Uh, what have you learned about your head coach this year and your team this season thus far? He's done outstanding. Uh, uh, he's the uh, hardest worker. He's the busiest uh, person uh, in the organization. Uh, he's uh, it's, it's a big job, head coach, as well as the – coordinator that calls the plays there's no adage uh if you you to call the plays you need to install the plays you need to be the installer to be the caller and of course that takes a lot of time and uh he has that kind of respect from the team he leads uh because of that and of course mike is uh, a proven 
proven coach that has gone up through the ranks, earned his stripes, uh, he's smart, uh, and he has a genuineness about him that the players follow. Uh, I can't say enough about the job he's doing, and, uh, and we're in no small part pushed up here. I call it being pushed up. We're in a position with a, a fairly good health. We're in a position to really do some good uh, when we get into the playoffs. This is, of course, a, a game that uh, uh, under the circumstances with having lost the last two, that uh, uh, we want to uh, – uh, we have all the incentive in the world to let it all hang out, so to speak. And uh, um, um, for all the reasons, uh, Mike uh, uh, really will espouse to that kind of effort against these Detroit Lions. We need to uh, uh, do whatever it takes to win this ball game. So obviously Detroit has a lot of star players. I was listening to Marcus Spears speak very highly of Aiden Hutchinson. Is that a player that worries you tomorrow night? Absolutely he does. He's hard to block, and uh, he has to be accounted for when the offense thinks about running a play. And uh, uh, that's all the more reason to hope that we have a full complement in our offensive line back Tyron Smith and and uh, get those get that continuity back. Anytime we haven't had Tyron, we've struggled, and so uh, hopefully we'll have him tomorrow. But uh, yes, Hudson bothers me. You said hopefully. About how confident are you that you will have Tyron Smith tomorrow evening? Well, tomorrow I feel tonight? good. I feel good, but uh, uh, I don't know. But I, I I will tell you, I feel good about it. He, he they're feeling good about it across the board. Trainers, coaches, Tyron, they're all feeling good about it. On the other side, Amond uh, Ross St. Brown is having a great year at wide receiver. Detroit runs the ball up the middle. Uh, what will be the concentration of the defense to stop what first? Well, I, I think that uh, uh, we will, uh, first of all, have to respect that quarterback who has uh, I've always respected. We thought a lot of him, I remember, being at his private workouts out there in San Francisco and uh, watched him work out then and thought he was just a natural thrower and uh, uh, really thought highly of him enough that uh, uh, would have um, possibly made him quarterback of the Cowboys if uh, things had been different and things had fallen that way. So Goff is uh, somebody that we've got to really deal with. And, uh, uh, you know, I just think uh, they're an overall complete team, and uh, I don't know that any part of it on the field makes you comfortable. Now, Jerry, this defense, to start in the season, it seemed like, and honestly, for the last few years, it seems like they've gotten takeaways like water, and it seems that that's dried up a little bit. Is there anything in particular in that that you see, or is that something that you anticipate maybe coming back soon? Well, I see the result of it, and when you don't have those takeaways – uh, it's an uphill battle, especially if you're making uh, the kinds of mistakes that are the equivalent of takeaway. Uh, that fumble we had at the goal line was uh, very damning and hurt. And uh, But that's what takeaways do. And so uh, uh, we play for takeaways. We play for those big plays. Uh, we just got to uh, – and you need to count on them. Uh, they're, they're a big part of – of um, uh, compromising or, or minimizing uh, 
the other team's attributes, you get those turnovers, that's a big swing. So Micah Parsons has spoken a lot about the lack of holding calls against him. I asked Brian Broadus, who looks at the film tremendously, and he says he has a right to complain. He's getting held a lot. What can you do as a general manager and an owner to try to help out that situation and get the calls that uh, Micah seems to be validated in what he should be getting? We have a lot of things in place. Uh, Steven Steven Jones is on the competition committee and has great communication with everybody involved. And certainly we're vocal uh, with everybody concerned as to uh, uh, the issue. Uh, And I think it has everything to do with Micah's skill level. And I think he creates a unique uh, situation regarding the philosophy of calling holding calls. And that's about all I'll say about it. But the point is that... uh, I, too, believe he ought to be getting more holding calls. It's one of those things, Jerry, where I'm obviously a former baseball player, where a lot of times sometimes a pitching coach or manager would tell me, hey, let me take care of the umpire. If they're screwing you over, you do your job. I'm going to do my job in trying to protect you and get the calls correct. Is that something that Coach McCarthy or Dan Quinn or somebody like you have said, Micah, let us try to take care of that and you don't worry about it? Well, I don't know that that's enough. Uh, I think you want to uh, uh, encourage Micah to uh, continue uh, his play style, uh, and I'm, I'm not really worried about that. That's built in him. Uh, so uh, uh, the big thing is is just keep on keeping on. Don't don't change that. Don't change that style, and uh, give them uh, give us reason to uh, uh, and him reason to complain. Uh, there's nothing wrong with what he's doing. Matter of fact, it's all good. And so uh, we've just got to make sure that uh, uh, equitably that he is uh, being shown for what he is. We used to really spend a lot of time. DeMarcus Ware looked like he was offside every snap. It was because he was so quick. And he really, uh, that count when it came, boy, he didn't anticipate it. He just was quick quick off the ball and so uh, we had to continually remind officials that he's not off sides he's just quick when the ball is snapped and so uh, we just need to continue pushing and that's uh, that's a team effort that's not a, a signed effort or um, uh, to necessarily say to Micah we'll take care of that because we've got to we just got to make sure that uh, Micah gets his due as to his skill level relative to this holding matter. Jerry, you've made note of how the physicality of this team is something that you guys were concerned about coming into the season that you made efforts to address. But this week, you let go of linebacker Rashawn Evans in order to you know, accommodate uh, Matt Letzko coming back from injured reserve. What made you confident in being able to make that move when you have kind of a light linebacker room right now? Well, the main thing is that uh, we needed the depth in the offensive line and fortunate to have it. Lesko has been uh, really uh, uh, improving, and um, we have other depth there that uh, we need. Unquestionably, that's uh, uh, to me, that's why you have a practice squad. That's why you have the overall depth that you have, and you're continually adjusting that uh, either from picking someone up in free agency or from your practice squad, and that's what that was the case of. We needed the depth more than we needed uh, him at linebacker, obviously. 
I wouldn't have done it. So, Jerry, my last question to you is we just celebrated Christmas. Was there a favorite Christmas present that you received this year or a favorite Christmas present that you gave this year? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm having lots of fun with uh, uh, always do. Uh, these uh, uh, grandkids of mine, they're not kids anymore. They're young adults, and uh, I can't get my hands around them. They've got, they've got more coming at me than you can imagine. Uh, they have a lot of fun with me. They have a, a very uh, – uh, uh, I'm glad they are comfortable with me, but uh, I get a lot of tricks played on me and uh, uh, have a lot of fun. I'm, not, I'm capable of tricking them back, too. So uh, we have a lot of fun. We get to uh, spend time. I get to spend time with them uh, because of the football, the Cowboys, uh, uh, things like that. I'm a very lucky man when it comes to spending time with his family. Jerry, right before we let you go here, uh, do you have any – can you give us a little insight into the Jimmy Johnson Ring of Honor ceremony? Anything special maybe coming up? Well, again, thank you for asking that again. And uh, it's going to be great to see uh, – going to be heavily participated by ex-players that played on those teams uh, and certainly looking forward to seeing some of the staff, particularly interesting that his crew from Fox, you know, this is uh, uh, a, a ESPN game, ABC ES, ESPN game, but the Fox crew is going to be here at the game to uh, uh, recognize uh, their affinity for Jimmy and their years of working together. So uh, it's just a great group. Uh, they mean a lot to Jimmy. Uh, the Fox crew does. Uh, and, of course, obviously his former players and coaches uh, mean a lot to him. And then uh, from everybody's perspective, it'll just feel good to uh, uh, remember that uh, we uh, got to be a part of something that uh, was probably bigger than any individual. And uh, no one appreciates that more than Jimmy. So uh, uh, it's uh, be a great day. I hope we're doing our part and have uh, uh, to do a good job with Detroit. That'd be, uh, that'd be very important to the atmosphere out here. Yeah, we're looking forward to the team getting it done on the field as well. Uh, Jerry, we appreciate your time every week, and we look forward to talking to you in the new year. You bet, guys. Let's get these lines, all right? Yes, yes, sir. Jerry Jones, owner, general manager of your Dallas Cowboys, joins us every week on the KNC Masterpiece on 105 through the fan. It is the KNC Masterpiece here. Uh, Mike, uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, how's it, how's it been treating you? Because this is my first time being able to be out yeah, here. Yeah, so, I mean, we have a great crowd already. It's, it's 1049 here in, in Burleson. And, obviously, right around 11, 1130, obviously, it gets going a lot more as people start thinking about what they're going to have for lunch. So, hopefully, they'll join us at Buffalo Wild Wings in Burleson. And I'll just be honest, I'm the one who's been giving away stuff lately. Nice. And I try to do it pretty early because a lot of people who come early, they might not be able to stay till 2 p.m., so – you know, we're giving away Cowboys T-shirts and hats and mini helmets and Funko Pops. And, and obviously, Dallas Cowboy tickets to right. tomorrow night's game. You Courtesy register. Light. You don't have to be here. If you get here and you register, you don't have to be here, let's say, at 2 p.m. to then receive the tickets. Okay. And, and, look, I'm not smart enough to know when the drawing happens and everything, but this will be happening quick because they have to get these people uh, the tickets to be able to go to the game tomorrow night. That's right. So the, the swag you got to be here for. Yes. And we, we got a good group of folks out here yes. already. Uh, make sure you make it out to uh, 
the yes. Buffalo Wild Wings if in you, Burleson. If you check leave, out your map quest, as Mike says. Yes, check out your map quest or Google Maps or uh, what the uh, ways or Way, whatever. Ways but one, yeah, that's right. uh, if you are not here when I draw your name for, let's say, a Cowboys T-shirt, I do call you a loser. Just because you <laughs> lost and you don't get that, so then I have to draw another name. So okay. just know, if, if you don't stay here for the shirts and the hats and stuff, you are a loser mm. in that I drew your That's name right. and you don't win that uh, deal. And you never want to be a loser, do you? Usually not. Even Wait, though you said you, what, what are the instances where you do want to be a loser? Well, let's say you're trying to get Victor Wimbanyamba. Okay. The Spurs were intentional losers Fair at enough. the end of last year to try to give themselves the best odds to get a great uh, draft pick. So there are times where you try to be a loser. Sometimes I feel like if you are in a discussion with your spouse, you might decide, <laughs> you know what, I'm just going to take the loss here, and I will be a loser overall to be a winner. Is that inspired by real life? Is, do we, do oh, we have for to talk sure. About for sure. There's here? a time, I think, in everybody's uh, relationship where you go, you know what? I'm done fighting this fight. I will now become a loser to ultimately become a winner. Nothing recent, though, right? We don't have to. Oh, I feel like there's always discussions <laughs> where you're just like, you know what? It's not worth it. There has to be that in your life, too, Reggie. Sure, yeah, no, pick your battles, right? Yeah. You can't fight everything. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Victor Wimbanyama. He had a 30-point game last night. You know, I haven't been following him that closely. I mean, I know that right now Chet Holmgren is the favorite to win the Rookie of the Year right. in a weird way because he didn't play last year. So those are kind of the two people uh, fighting for, for Rookie of the Year. I'm surprised that Wimbanyama hasn't led to a few more wins for the Spurs. They're still figuring out how to play with him. Like, it feels, I and mean, obviously we're still not even yeah. halfway through the season, but early on in the season it felt like the guys didn't know to get him the basketball, which seems nonsensical, yeah. right? You're, you have a monster on the court with you throwing the basketball, but I think they're just now learning to get him the basketball and seeing the ways that yeah. he'll pass the ball to them and then also just make their jobs easier. And that being said, that's enough Spurs talk that's right. here in Dallas-Fort Worth. Were you encouraged, though, that um, Jerry said that he feels confident? He's, he's used the word hopeful, which made me kind of recoil because I know earlier – Today, Mike McCarthy said that they feel, you know, that they feel very confident that I they'll think, play. I think yesterday, listening to Broadus, this morning, listening to Mike McCarthy here on 105.3 The Fan, just now listening to Jerry Jones here on 105.3 The Fan, Tyron Smith is going to be starting uh, tomorrow night. I, now, Jonathan Hankins sounds like he isn't. No. Like, that's a, I'd say, 99% sure he isn't, which is worrisome if you want to bully the Cowboys Jonathan Hankins at times can stop that and seems to be the only person on defense for the Dallas Cowboys who can sometimes stop the bullying of other teams. So it'll be interesting. Those first few plays that Detroit has the ball, will they try to establish, we are going to bully you to death because Buffalo bullied the Cowboys to death. Yeah. San Francisco bullied the Cowboys to death. In a way, the Arizona Cardinals bullied the Cowboys to death. So it'll be interesting to see, will Detroit try to bully the Dallas Cowboys early in the game? You know what? That's a question that we can ask our Dallas Cowboys insider, Mickey Spagnola. We'll talk to him next right here on the KNC Masterpiece on 105 Through the Fan. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.